Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the FAST Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Roach. Now this podcast series is brought to you by the Farmed Animal Antimicrobial Stewardship Initiative, or FAST for short. The FAST Initiative exists to provide farmed animal owners and veterinarians with the news, tools, and resources that they need in order to help prevent antimicrobial resistance through improved antimicrobial stewardship. So this podcast series is really all about showcasing conversations that my colleagues and I are having with practicing veterinarians that work with farmed animals. In each episode, we're discussing how antimicrobial resistance affects them, what stewardship looks like in daily practice, and perhaps most importantly, their views on the challenges and potential solutions to reducing our reliance on antimicrobials moving forward. This two-part series features a conversation between myself, my colleague Dr. Dan Schock, and Dr. Greg Weidman of Southwest Veterinary Services. We caught up with Greg to talk about his perspectives on stewardship in the Ontario swine industry. This part of our conversation is going to be featured today in this podcast. We also talked to him about some of the unique and exciting projects that his team are leading in collaboration with a number of other stakeholders in the industry to benchmark and get a better sense of antimicrobial use That part of the conversation is going to be featured in our second podcast, which you can see back on the SoundCloud website or the FAST website, www.amstewardship.ca. So without further ado, let's get into the first part of this two-part series. So, hi Greg, how's it going? Good. How are you guys today? Good. Well... Well, thanks a lot for sitting down with us and chatting. We really appreciate your time and really looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say about antimicrobial use and access in, in Ontario and what that means to, to you as a practitioner and more importantly to your clients out there. Okay. Yeah. So um, I thought we'd start off, uh, you know, um, give everyone who's listening a little bit of a feel for who you are and what sort of practice looks like from your sort of stance or purview. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself a little bit here sure. for us? Yeah. So uh, my name is Greg Weidman. Um, I've uh, been a veterinarian for uh, about 15 years now. I graduate from the University of Guelph. Uh, I'm uh, one of the owners uh, and a practitioner in Southwest Ontario Veterinary Services. Um, we have uh, our base here in Perth County, the, the heartland of the pig producing uh, part of Ontario. And we have one office in Stratford and one office in Listowel. Uh, there are 11 veterinarians in our practice just focusing on pigs. So that makes us one of the larger pig vet practices in Canada or even perhaps in North America. Um, And uh, we have really deliberately uh, built a large practice uh, which enables us to, uh, we hope or we we intend to to bring a large resource group and a diverse resource group to bear on complex problems in, in the pig production world, such as the challenge of antimicrobial uh, resistance and antimicrobial stewardship. Um, so I guess on, along the lines of sort of our theme for the conversation today, uh, you know, all about uh, antimicrobials and, and sort of the emergence and development of resistance, um, we've, we've found it interesting to talk with different practitioners, of course, in different species, asking them, you know, what does antibiotic resistance look like from your vantage point as a, as a practitioner largely in, in swine medicine? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I would say we're, we're pretty thankful or fortunate that, uh, we don't have, uh, a daily procession of cases that are difficult, uh, for us to treat because Mm of, uh, problems of antimicrobial resistance. There are some examples and, uh, the, the example that comes first to mind would be uh, the problem of 
post-wean E. coli uh, diarrhea, mm-hmm. enteric uh, infections in piglets. And we, uh, we do encounter a number of cases that, uh, that have uh, pretty difficult uh, sensitivity patterns and are faced with, uh, uh, on some farms, uh, a small number of choices with which to treat that problem. So that just leads us uh, probably further uh, into the conversation on alternatives to antimicrobials right. um, because we definitely uh, are in that, in that situation with piglet scours. Other than that, though, it's almost surprising how well uh, some of the good old-fashioned antibiotics still work uh, in pigs. And uh, the the key to that is uh, is a really uh, a really high level of focus on the farm with identifying sick pigs early and, mm. and starting to treat as quickly as possible. Yeah. So as usual, good stock person skills win the day. Yeah. Do you see? I'm kind of interested in from a from a client perspective. Do you have a lot of conversations brought up by producers asking about? Resistance is that something on the minds of, of sort of the the rank and file producer these days? Yeah, for sure it is. Mm. You know, um, uh, pig producers are uh, are globally connected um, because of uh, the high high proportion of, of pigs and and pork that is exported from Canada. Right, they understand that and. Uh, and uh, so they're very sophisticated in understanding what the marketplace is looking for. Mm-hmm. It's surprising or interesting too how many people have a personal story of a, perhaps a family member who um, has had an encounter with a difficult to treat bacterial infection mm-hmm. in the in the human medicine yep. world. And so producers are aware of the problem of antimicrobial resistance from that perspective too. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a um, a regular part of our herd health conversations mm. on farm. Yeah, the human side really brings a uh, hits home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. We um, we have, uh, uh, as you may be aware, lots of farmers who trace their roots back to Holland. Yeah, and uh, so in the last few years, we've heard many stories from producers who would have relatives in uh, the healthcare system in Holland. Mm. And uh, they're asked at the door of the hospital when they come to visit these uh, relatives whether or not they have contact with pigs because it's well known, uh, in Holland at least, that pig farmers are more likely to carry a resistant strain of Staphylococcus aureus yep. and the healthcare system is pretty focused on keeping that out. So that really brings it home no uh, kidding. to have, uh, have uh, uh, an experience like that. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's actually a really important element to bring to the the conversation, right? Yeah. Not to just forget it's another thing that uh, another hoop to jump through. Sometimes perceived as that from a from a production standpoint, right? So agreed. I think producers realize that this issue is not just a a roadblock thrown up by people who are unfriendly to agriculture or or meaningless red tape thrown up by right. regulatory authorities. They understand that the problem of antimicrobial resistance is a real problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the terminologies that uh, anyone in the industry throws around is all around stewardship uh, Mm -hmm. and responsible use of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So in your practice, so all all the way from day to day to that macro level, what does antimicrobial stewardship mean to you, Greg? Yeah, I think we we kind of try and sum that up with a a mantra we sometimes throw around here, which says we're going to use as little as possible but as much as we need to, to maintain uh, the pig's health and welfare mm-hmm. and the safety of the food that comes from those pigs. Um, in the past, uh, there was probably more of a, a mindset to say, 
if a little is good, more is probably better. Or um, if it's not doing any harm, then why not? Mm -hmm. Well, today I think we know that the risk of harm is maybe higher than uh, than what was recognized in the past. So that has mm -hmm. that has changed the mindset. Um, so how does that work itself out day to day in our practice? We we focus on uh, getting the right drug uh, to the right farm at the right time and giving it to the right pig at the right dose, mm -hmm. which, uh, well, rolls off the tongue, but each step in that process is complicated. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what we focus on. And, uh, and so, you know, we do, we do a lot of lab testing to confirm that we're using the right drug to treat the right bug. Uh, we have uh, developed a, a system here within our practice where we can get the right drug to the right farm fast mm -hmm. uh, when we need to. And then we work a lot with our producers and also our production team to really focus on identifying the pig that needs the medicine and giving that pig the right dose. And then, of course, the part that is critical for stewardship is the follow-up to make sure that the uh, treatment outcome is positive, and if not, to reset and uh, and take another look at it. Okay. Does that answer your question a little bit? It certainly yeah, does. Great. Yeah. So you you talked about uh, replacing antibiotics, especially for the post weaning in the post weaning diarrhea. Mm -hmm. um, so that that can be seen as a component of stewardship. So I just wondered if you could elaborate yeah. on a little bit of what are some of the replacements uh, for antibiotics mm -hmm. that you're using in your practice. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And we. Um, uh, we really rely on our partnership uh, with uh, the experts in the animal nutrition world mm. to uh, to get to good solutions for our producers on that. Because especially when it comes to, uh, to go back to our example, air enteric conditions of, of pigs, mm -hmm. uh, nutrition plays a huge role in that. And, uh, and so we go, uh, we go back and forth all the time with uh, the, the nutrition companies, the feed reps, um, because there's lots of uh, opportunities to do something different with the water, mm -hmm. be it acidification or something as simple as cleaning the water. Mm -hmm. Also, lots of opportunities to do something different with the feed to help address a challenge like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Above and beyond that, I would say that probably the number one uh, technology that we focus on or look at uh, to replace antibiotics is vaccination, mm -hmm. and uh, some, but not all, of the of the infections that really drive antimicrobial use are infections that we do have vaccines available for now. Mm -hmm. An example of that would be uh, the disease ileitis mm -hmm. uh, in pigs caused by a bacteria. Yep. Um, can cause uh, mortality and uh, and performance loss, uh, and can drive uh, a lot of antibiotic use in the finishing barn. We do have two commercially available vaccines for that condition, and so uh, through this process of re-examining antimicrobial use, that's a really good target for us to add mm. to our discussions mm -hmm. with producers. Mm -hmm. And if I can add one more uh, uh, answer or comment to that question, Dan. Um, we in the pig world uh, focus a lot on uh, producing pigs in batches if we can. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us the opportunity to run uh, an, 
a room or an airspace or a barn, a whole site, all in, all out, mm-hmm. and allows you to completely clean up after the pigs are gone yep. and uh, eliminate the pathogens that may be left in the barn. That's a that's a huge, huge uh, uh, management tool that allows us to reduce antimicrobial use. Mm-hmm. All in, all out flow is the closest thing we have to a magic trick in in the pig world. Huh. And uh, you know, and, uh, livestock species with longer life cycles that's that's not as possible, but mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to us. Okay. Yeah. How do you see the vet profession uh, uh, fitting into the animal probate stewardship uh, piece? Yeah. Our, our role. Yeah. That, that's a good question, and it's a, it's challenging because when I show up on a farm, I am responsible to make sure that the animal welfare is taken care of. Yep. Uh, I need to ensure that the food that is produced from this farm is safe to eat. Um, I would like to help the farmer stay in business. Um, uh, that's in fact often why I'm there is an, an, uh, a health concern that is translating into an economic concern. And now, in addition to those other three uh, tasks, I have the task of uh, thinking about uh, antimicrobial stewardship. Mm-hmm. So in many cases, there is a solution that satisfies all those, uh, all those objectives. Um, but sometimes uh, it, it's difficult to keep that in balance. The, the one that we're not willing to give up on is the welfare of the pig. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, we are using an antimicrobial uh, now to, to take care of the immediate needs of the pig. However, that, uh, that herd health visit or consultation always then um, should involve a conversation about, okay, now what do we do mm-hmm. um, to ensure that this doesn't happen again yeah. um, or to allow us to address antimicrobial stewardship over a longer time course for the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, you know, again, I, I would go back to some of the benefits of a large practice. I've got lots of colleagues here I can, I can bounce ideas off uh, as we look at this issue. And I would say the, the veterinary profession and specifically the associations of swine vets, both the Canadian and American, um, are, are really focusing a lot on, on the issue of antimicrobial resistance and stewardship now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm getting a lot of opportunities for continuing education and continuing dialogue to learn from my colleagues too. Okay, yeah. So when we're looking at our, our area of vet med, it's, it's really production-oriented and the facility is getting larger and larger. Uh, and it ends up being producers are the end users of antibiotics. So what can a producer do to make sure that they're uh, using antibiotics in a responsible manner? What's their role in stewardship? I think that uh, the, uh, the pig industry uh, and the producers that are in it are, are really leaders in this area. And I think one of the things that has uh, enabled producers to be leaders in this area is a culture of uh, pretty close relationships between producers and veterinarians. Mm. Everybody's going to need to have that going forward with the, uh, the new requirement for prescriptions on mm-hmm. all antimicrobials. But pig farmers are ahead of the curve on that. The, um, the excellent uh, quality assurance program uh, that, uh, that pig producers in Canada uh, work under uh, kind of has required that for many years now. Mm-hmm. So then um, producer and veterinarian work together. And, uh, and that's critical because it, it results in fairly frequent conversations uh, on all aspects of production, including antimicrobial stewardship. 
The other thing that uh, that I have seen, which I think is really, really valuable, is benchmarking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we don't often think about measuring antimicrobial use from one farm to another. But one thing I've noticed about, about uh, farmers is they really like learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And so to put a group of farmers in a room together and have them talking about uh, their antimicrobial use has been an extremely valuable activity mm-hmm. um, and has led to action uh, uh, towards stewardship. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, one of the things uh, you, you've already mentioned or alluded to it, uh, Greg, is that uh, there are a number of regulatory changes or policy changes that have come and are coming with respect to the sort of the use and access of antimicrobials, whether it be removal of labels for and use of um, antimicrobials for growth promotion um, mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. requirement of prescriptions, uh, especially in, in your industry or sector, looking at it from a feed mill perspective, there's lots of nuance there. Yeah. Uh, what do you see as some of the, you know, the major changes or how this is going to impact uh, your clients and, and the veterinary profession when it comes to uh, to access and use of antimicrobials? Yeah, um, it's a hot topic. Yeah. And uh, we sense from our clients that they, they feel quite a bit of anxiety about uh, um, a number of things that are coming down the pike towards them right now, mm. not just uh, antimicrobial use and access to antimicrobials, but also... Uh, in the pig world, requirements on animal care, right. uh, animal housing. Um, you know the the uh, the the other problem or or uh, challenge that pig farmers are producing is uh, um, price right now. Um, mm-hmm. And and I know mm-hmm. that's not the same in in every livestock sector, uh, but the pig price goes up and down, and it's down right now. Um, and uh, anyone who reads the newspaper knows that there's a lot of headwinds or concerns about trade, which mm-hmm. uh, impacts my clients directly as well. So we've been, uh, we've been trying to communicate with our clients and say, you know, of all, the, of all the challenges you see on your horizon, the changes to access uh, and use of antimicrobials are not the one uh, that you should be lying awake at night about, because these are changes that we can work with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to end up with a, a regulatory uh, landscape that allows producers to continue to raise pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in my opinion, is not going to result in increased cost. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is the requirement to uh, have prescriptions um, for some antimicrobials that in the past the producer uh, didn't need a prescription for. But, you know, uh, I think I can speak behalf of just not our vet clinic, but other swine vet clinics, too, to reassure clients and producers that that's not going to be an onerous process. Mm-hmm. Um, we absolutely are not going to uh, delay treatment of sick pigs by that script process. It's also not going to be expensive. Right. Um, so we're working on the details of that, working again with our partners in the feed industry to make sure that we're not holding them up when they yep. need to make feed. Um, and, and there's details that need to be worked out still, but that's kind of our commitment anyways. Access to antimicrobials uh, in the pig world, I, I'm not worried about. Um, pig farms are, you know, generally speaking, large uh, these days in Ontario, which means that, uh, well, to be frank, the, the transactions are large. And therefore, we can find a way to get antimicrobials to a farm that makes sense for all, all parties concerned. And we can do it quickly. Um, I understand that concern as it relates to maybe more remote regions or sure. smaller farms or, mm-hmm. or less common species. And, uh, and yeah, there are some, there are some realities there that, um, 
uh, need to be addressed yet. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the vet profession and uh, the pharmaceutical industry and the farm groups are working together to, um, to sort that out. But the bottom line is in, in the pig industry, I, I don't think it'll be a big change, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that truly does impact sort of vet med broadly across species and certainly mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the various livestock commodities uh, and poultry commodities that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the big things is, you know, looking forward, you know, 2019 is around the corner. Uh, these changes will be in place. Perhaps more will come. Perhaps more, uh, many of the quality assurance programs across species are being uh, sort of not just revived, but com- completely reimagined. Yeah. And, and like you say, animal care, traceability, all new themes and new uh, new aspects are being added to them. Um, and I wonder, you know, do you see obstacles towards stewardship moving forward into, you know, 2019 and beyond? And, and any thoughts on, mm-hmm. on what that looks like mm-hmm. in terms of overcoming some of those? barriers mm-hmm. yeah I, I would say in, in the in in our sector so with the pig our biggest uh, barrier to uh, to stewardship or to uh, continued reduction of antimicrobial use is our uh, our inability to control some of the diseases that we have on farms and so you guys uh, will will be familiar with PERS viral infection of pigs uh, is spread by aerosol from farm to farm, is spread by many other ways as well. as a virus mm-hmm. that moves between farms very readily in the winter mm-hmm. uh, in Ontario. And although it's a virus and doesn't respond directly to antimicrobials, obviously, it's a virus that impacts the pig's immune system mm-hmm. and leads to secondary infections. And uh, for us, that is one of the biggest challenges to reduce antimicrobial use. When a farm breaks with PERS, antimicrobial use goes up. So uh, that's the challenge. The, the solution to that challenge is, uh, is you know, uh, um, being looked at at the lab bench around the world. You know, vaccines right. for PERS historically have been okay, but not, not great. And, uh, and whoever invents the next generation of PERS vaccine, which works mm-hmm. better, will uh, we'll find a very large and willing marketplace for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that will be a real key to the pig industry being able to um, use less antibiotics long term. Mm-hmm. Above and beyond that, I mean, I'd say we're, we're still in the, uh, in the education phase on this. You know, the early adopters are all over it. There's lots of farms that are marketing their pigs now uh, under some kind of program where they get rewarded for using no antibiotics. Mm, right. Um, but we really still are learning how to do that well. Yeah. Um, because those, uh, those, uh, it, that's a growth area, mm-hmm. um, and it's not that old. So okay. that takes us back to, you know, all the tools we were talking about earlier, be it vaccines or water and feed treatments, management uh, tips and tricks to mm-hmm. allow producers to do that. So what are some of the producers that are doing it well for the no antibiotic program? So some of the early adopters, the leaders, mm-hmm. what are they doing that's uh, leading to their success, Greg? Yeah. Um, I think it helps to start with healthy pigs. That mm-hmm. probably yeah. sounds like a dumb thing to say for people <laughs> from other species, but yeah. um, if you can start with healthy pigs and keep them healthy, mm-hmm. um, then you're away to the races. So that means uh, that means biosecurity. Yeah. Um, uh, all aspects of biosecurity uh, are your incoming live animals uh, coming from a secure source, and do you quarantine them and do you test them before you put them into the main herd? Mm-hmm. What are you doing at the barn door, at the loading chute? Uh, at the farm gate, 
at the dead stock uh, pickup area to ensure that you don't end up with a steady stream of more and more and more bugs coming to the farm. We spend a lot of time on our routine herd health visits going over that and looking for gaps. Um, So that's one of the key things that the successful folks are doing. And then they are just uh, going back to first principles on on management and mm-hmm. stock person skills too, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, so you know some of the some of the corners that may have been uh, cut or that that people may have been tempted to cut in the past when it comes to uh, raising pigs without antimicrobials, you can't cut those corners, right? Um, and then we are, you know, really exploring innovative uh, autogenous vaccines, for example. Mm. Uh, new vaccines that are, are coming to the market, especially, you know, from some of the parts of the world where they're using way less antibiotics than us, so Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's some opportunities that we find there, too, to control diseases in other ways. Mm-hmm. Where do you see gut, I mean, you've alluded to it, where do you see gut health? I mean, we see a lot of research and a lot of sort of uh, scientific talks and mm-hmm. uh, at least... You know, certainly near the university, uh, right. more and more on the focus on gut health as an all, you know, a reliable or potentially reliable alternative for reliance on antimicrobials. What does that conversation look like, you know, today in, in swine? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's a collaborative conversation because sure. there's no one person or consultant who uh, is able to have all the answers yeah. anymore. Um, and uh, so some of the in-feed prebiotics, probiotics yeah. uh, that are available. Um, immunomodulators or, you know, essential yeah. oils, all that stuff that, that needs to be a conversation that involves the nutrition uh, team and the veter health team. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. And, uh, gut health is so important and early pig care in our world is so important right. too. It seems like the, the course for the pig's life, including whether or not it's going to need antimicrobials, that's all set early on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we really have started to get, uh, get interested, maybe, uh, maybe obsessive about colostrum too. Yeah. I right. think my colleagues in the dairy world, you know, are, are probably ahead of us on that. They, they've known for a long time how uh, important the colostrum is for that dairy calf. Mm-hmm. We have the challenge of not having to get the colostrum into one or two progeny, yeah. but 15. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and so we're still learning on that, but we're convinced that that's part of the answer too, is to, to, um, mm-hmm. get the colostrum into that pig, keep that pig from experiencing an early enteric challenge, mm-hmm. and then wean the pig at the right age. Mm-hmm. You know, weaning age of pigs has gone back and forth mm-hmm. uh, all over the map, but um, it's trending towards older now because mm-hmm. we just feel like it's easier to raise an older pig with less antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So where do you see, this is going to be a big picture kind of question, Greg. So okay. What does the future look like in, let's say, let's pick a number, 10 years down the road for uh, uh, pig production and antimicrobials? What does that look like? How are we using them? What does mm-hmm. the future look like? I, I guess I don't believe that the current uh, focus on antimicrobial stewardship is a fad. I think it's going to be with us in mm-hmm. 10 years and 20 years. Um, we, uh, we're going to have to continue to make good use of the antimicrobials we have because, as I think we have all seen, the, the, uh, the rollout of new antimicrobials into the marketplace just gets slower and slower. Right. They're expensive to develop, and, uh, and uh, so there's not very many new ones coming through the pipeline. Uh, that's reality. 
I think that our clients are going to continue to see more and more opportunities in the marketplace to raise pigs with less or no antimicrobials. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, not just the early adopters, but, uh, but your average producers are, are going to see opportunities there. So okay. we as a profession are going to, I think, be busy for at least the next 10 years helping, helping our clients capture those opportunities and make that transition. Um, we are, uh, in the pig world faced with, it seems, um, you know, kind of a steady diet of new and emerging pathogens that can Mm. impact pigs globally. The flavor of the month is African swine fever right Right. now. Uh, again, not a disease that responds to antimicrobials, right? But it's another example of uh, biosecurity at the farm level the provincial level and the national level are going to continue to be top priorities for 10 years and beyond as we just focus on, you know, maintaining Canada's, I would use the word privileged health status. I mean, mm-hmm. we have the, we have the reputation of, of having healthy pigs yep. and it's going to be hard work on the biosecurity side to maintain that over the long term. But that's one other thing I see for sure. And then steady improvement of facilities, you know, um, pigs uh, are a prolific animal and they're getting more prolific uh, year by year. The genetics companies haven't reached the ceiling yet, I don't think. Yep. So that, what that translates into is uh, updating facilities. And when you update facilities, you get the opportunity again to uh, ask the question, how would we build this new facility so that we don't need as many antimicrobials as we did in the past? Um, so that's ongoing today. There's been mm-hmm. lots of new facilities built in Ontario the last couple of years, and that will in, uh, continue as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And uh, yeah. Greg, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and, and getting a feel for, you know, or inside your head a little bit on, on these <laughs> yeah. issues because uh, they are important. And I, you know, I really commend you guys at Southwest here on doing some really uh, exceptional work, you know, driving and pushing the bar forward when it comes to monitoring surveillance and, and motivating change. Cause uh, you know, it, like you say, it's going to take a collaborative effort to get there mm-hmm. and, uh, we don't mm-hmm. quite know where there is, but we've got to keep pushing towards that. Right. So, yeah. um, so thank you very much for your time and for your feedback mm, and, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great chatting with you. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks guys. Okay. And there you have it. Thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Remember to keep checking back with us as we're going to continue to put new podcasts on this issue up on SoundCloud and the FAST website. And we're also working on other tools and resources for veterinarians and farmed animal owners, all focused on antimicrobial resistance and the practice of antimicrobial stewardship. So please stay tuned and check back at our website, www.amstewardship.ca, to get more information and up-to-the-minute facts on what's going on in Ontario with respect to stewardship. Now, FAST is a collaborative initiative between the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association, Acer Consulting, government, academic, and industry partners, and its mission is to improve antimicrobial stewardship in farmed animals, prepare farmed animal owners and their veterinarians for upcoming policy and regulatory changes, and preserve the efficacy of antimicrobials without compromising animal health or food safety. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 